At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And that magic button, and we're rolling cue music. How does that not get you going? That's almost as good as my morning coffee to get you rolling in the morning. Connie Jacob, thank you so much for being on Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast on this live Facebook version of the show. And again, for our listeners, if this is the first time you're tuning in, we are also available on all the major podcast channels from Apple and Google and Stitcher and Spotify and all the other good stuff. And if you just can't find it for some reason, please go to OperationTraumaRecovery.org. That's OperationTraumaRecovery.org. And then you can pick your favorite platform from that website and learn more about Operation Tango Romeo. But that's not why we're here today. We are here to learn about Connie Jacob. Now, I, you, I, you caught my eye on Facebook because of National Hope Talks. Now, how in the heck did this get started? What is it? And go, Connie. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And that song was killer. It was good. <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, a couple of years ago, we just wanted to make a difference in mental health. We thought about a conference. But we thought about, you know, the fact that conferences are often about a professional speaker we all go, we sit in rows, we listen to them, we take notes, we might network at lunch and leave. And we thought, what if we did a conference actually where everyone got to speak? What if everyone's stories were highlighted? Because, you know, it, it is about the professionals. I do agree, like theory is great. But I really believe that mental health, the health of our brain, is created in connection. It's created socially. And when people tell their story, Something powerful happens, connection happens, empathy happens, and healing happens. And so that's kind of how that all started, and I was really shocked when it actually worked. <laughs> well, it sure is coming together. I saw that one of your speakers is Pamela Morgan, my dear friend, and uh, she took over the Okotoks Business Association for me. She probably regrets it now, has buyer's remorse, but uh, well, not that she's paid anything. It's just, here you go. <laughs> you take the raids. But uh, lovely lady, and it was wonderful to see her um, uh, recovering out loud as well. So what does Recover Out Loud mean to you? Well, honestly, when I heard your title, I thought that's powerful because a lot of people recover alone. Um, In fact, I've been there. Um, You know, about five years ago in our family, we had a mental health crisis with our son who was suicidal, dealing with depression and anxiety, and our home was in crisis And I didn't know who I could talk to. And there was a lot of despair I was feeling. And I remember one night we happened to have whiskey in the house. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to take a big swig of that and knock myself out to go to bed. Because I, I just needed an escape. 
And that one night turned into two, which turned into three, which turned into six months. And I'm thinking, you know, like, do I have a problem here? Because I, and and it wasn't because I was thinking one morning, boy, I just want to like become an alcoholic. It was more like, I need to escape from how I'm feeling. I don't know how to cope with what my family is going through. So I, this is a great escape. (laughs) It did. It did the job. There's a reason why people do these things. They work. Uh, The problem is, is that you, you get sucked into it and it, and it's just a never ending cycle. So I remember thinking to myself, you know, I should probably do something about this. And so I called up a friend and I just said, Hey, I just so you know, I've been kind of drinking myself to sleep. And she said, Connie, I can't believe you're doing that. That's horrible. Do you not know that you like talk about mental health and you're an example and you're a role model? She goes, you need to get a grip. You need to get (laughs) off this right away. You need to like stop. And she goes, I'm going to call you next week and hold you accountable. If you haven't stopped, I'm taking measures. Well, after that phone call, I had two drinks. (laughs) I'm thinking, I reached out for help. I wanted to recover out loud, and I just got knocked down. And I went back into hiding. I thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to suffer alone. And so I think it was about six months later, I finally got the courage again to call another friend. And this is what she said. She said, Connie, you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten that you're a warrior. You've forgotten that you're courageous. She goes, I'm getting down in the muck with you. I'm grabbing you by the hand so you know you're not alone and I'm not letting go until you remember who you are again. And I haven't drank myself to sleep since. And I think that's the power of recovering out loud, choosing to share your story, but choosing who you share your story with. That's the danger of the bell let's talk thing. I, I've been trying to work this out and I think I'm going to do an episode specifically on bell let's talk because it's a little bit backwards. Um, to me, it should be bell let's listen. And Ooh, the ones talking are the ones that, that need the help. And yeah. what I think it is, because I keep saying, seeing these posts, hey, if you need to talk, give me a call and, and I'm always here to chat. It's like, no, 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 no. You got that shit backwards. You know, you are not trained for the chatting part. You're not a freaking therapist. And whatever you say, you're going to screw it up. I almost can guarantee it. You're, you're going to say something that you shouldn't be saying. You're not a therapist. You're not a trained counselor. Stop it. Um, but what people should be doing is, Bell, let's listen. And the only ones doing the talking are the ones that are trying to recover. And it's the power of just having a safe place. And when you had that phone call, that wasn't safe. That was somebody that was bell. Let's talking instead of bell. Let's listening. That's right. They were trying to solve your problems instead of um, being truly supportive. And that's what we do. Uh, Our natural instinct, I think as humans is to fix, Oh, I, I must, you must be calling me or you must be reaching out because you want me to do something about this. And what you've just said is so key. It actually does more damage when we try to fix, when we try to get in there or even share our own experience. Sometimes people will say things like, oh, well, you, that's nothing compared to what I've been through. Like we shut people down with these types of statements or, you know, um, get a grip like that, that just shut me down. But you're, you're right on it. The listening 
we feel like it's powerless. I, I don't know what to say, but that listening is actually what rewires the brain. Um, it's called interpersonal neurobiology. The attunement that I give to you when you share your story with me, just holding space, I might say things like, tell me more, or how did that feel, or how can I support, but that's it. And that that's actually it. literally takes the wirings that have fired together in our brain and it releases them and creates new neural pathways of confidence, connection, and we don't realize that. Um, so I think, yeah, you are right on it. I love what you're saying. It's like you said, it's, it's the human nature to want to help, you know, um, like when there's the loss of a loved one, this is when you hear the stupidest advice in the world. Uh, I know of one lady who lost her baby at, um, in, in childbirth and somebody actually said to her, well, at least you have three more kids. That's not so bad. One out of four, you know, pretty good. And uh, now th- that person did, was not trying to be a dick. It just you don't know what to say, so you say something stupid because you're gr- you're grasping at straws for something to say. Because you're not supposed to say anything other than I can't even imagine. I'm so yeah. sorry. I love you. I'm here here to support you, and that's it. And that just doesn't feel like enough for people. Listening doesn't feel like it's enough. It feels like by doing nothing, they're doing nothing. But it's not. By doing nothing, you're doing everything. By, mm-hmm. by, by being that safe place for somebody to tell their story. And to give a shit when you hear it. Yeah, you know, yeah that, to actually care. And that's, that's all big. it is. And that's yeah. all it is. So the National Hope Talks, how old is this? You know, this was our third year. Uh, The first year we just did it in Calgary. Uh, We didn't know if it would work. And so when it worked, we thought, let's expand. Because the idea was always to have a Canadian conversation around mental health. Um, And so last year we did it physically in Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. And then this year we did it online as a nationwide conference. And the beautiful part of it is is the incubator, and this is where everyone gets a chance to speak. Everyone gets three minutes. They can share their own personal story. They can share what they're noticing around mental health. They can share what they're doing in mental health so people know about it. But what's beautiful is that around these tables or this year around the breakout room, you know, you could have a 15-year-old listening to a CEO a CEO listening to a newcomer to Canada, a newcomer to Canada listening to a nonprofit leader. Like everyone comes out of their sectors to come to the table as equals and to really listen. And at the end, when everyone has had a chance to share their story, everyone we write down what was commonly said. Just write down, even though you're all very different, what was common? And it always blows my mind. Every year this happens. You know, um, Calgary the first year, what was commonly said was that we are so disconnected. Mm-hmm. We need to be more connected. And then last year, um, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary, you couldn't get three more different cities. They all said the same thing. We need to know how to support better. We need to know what to say. And this year, nationwide conference, everyone's saying the same thing. We need to create better spaces of belonging. Just blows my mind that we all feel the same thing as humans, no matter where we come from. Well, I encourage everybody, please go to my episode on active listening, the most 
powerful gift that you can give. <laughs> it's, yes. uh, it is it is so important. Um, it's just amazing how aligned what you're doing and what Tango Romeo is doing. It's we're totally on the same page, and it, clearly it's a gap that re, that needs to be filled. Um, tell me, I hear the term peer support from so many different angles, and it means so many different things to different people. Uh, tell me about peer support, what you think it is. Oh, that's a hard one. Actually, that's something I, I run something called the Brave Parent Institute, and we're wrestling through that right now because mm. we have professionals, we have a trauma therapist and a counselor, we have coaches, and then we have peers. And trying to figure out who is what, you know, a peer is not a professional. They're just not, you know, I'm a peer. I'm not a counselor. I'm not certified to give anyone any kind of crazy advice. But to me, um, what I just boiled it down to is somebody who is there to support, someone who is there to listen. And that's it. Um, Or do you need a meal? You know, could I come over? Can I clean your house? Um, Can I help you find help? One of the things I notice when people are in PTSD or trauma, they're stuck. A lot of people, Mm. there's three different responses. There's freeze, which is I'm stuck. I don't even know what to do. So I'm just going to like not move. Um, Or there's flight. I'm going to run away from my problems. I'm going to drink myself to sleep or I'm going to fight. I'm going to become aggressive. I'm going to become, I'm going to become reactionary. And so a peer is, is somebody who can actually get people out of those states, Uh, somebody to come alongside and say, Hey, I see you're frozen. Like, what can I do? How can I help? Can I do your dishes? Let's just start there. Um, if, if they're reactionary, they can hold space for that person. If they are, um, flighting like I was my, I can say, I'm going to get down in the muck with you. I'm sitting there with you. I'm going to grab you by the hand and not let go until you remember who you are or, you know, the, the worth that you have or the purpose that you have. I, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, to me, that's what a peer is. It's so powerful to just get you out of that state and you don't have to be talking about the issues that are going on not at all you could be talking about sports or the weather or whatever you want to be talking about but being engaged with that other person creates that connection that you said in the beginning of our conversation ptsd or really any mental health issues or mental injuries create disconnection simply be that connection back to the world you get into your head I get into my head and I go into these dark places that I have no control over and simply uh, being connected with somebody else for, for a moment, if I have the ability to connect with that person, gets me out of that head, get out of that headspace. And that's what a good listener does. It just go into somebody's house. One person in, um, Talk about the freeze part. Freeze can look like clutter in your house. It can be a dirty garage. Um, Your toolbox is all disorganized. Um, That can be the freeze part. So simply going over and working with them to get this project done. Like one friend, uh, he had a little construction project that only took an hour or two, but he just couldn't get it going couldn't get the ball rolling so i showed up and we had it done in half an hour between the two of us he knew exactly what to do just couldn't get out of the mud and 
and to, to do it. And being in the mud, stuck in the mud, is a really good visual for how it feels. And that is how you can peer support. Um, Connie, what are the top three do's and don'ts of peer support for you? Uh, well, definitely something that we've discussed is, you know, you don't need to fix. Don't need <laughs> it's to so fix. hard. It's so hard. It is hard. I mean, yeah. I'm a mother and I have to practice this with my kids all Mom the time. Mode. Like, right. I do not fix my 14 year old's problems. He just wants me to listen to him. Um, so that's definitely one. And the do, of course, is the listening. The do is the empathetic statements. You know, like you said, how can I support or staying like that must be hard. That would have been frustrating. Um, those types of statements. Um, I, another don't is, you know, don't try to be the professional. You know, don't don't diagnose. Oh, I think you have ADHD. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't have that right. You know, uh, you can think it. Um, but uh, so that's definitely a don't. Um, but I do think that, like, seeing what you can possibly offer because I I think that you really nailed it when you said we just don't feel like we're doing enough and remember like then that that turns the person's problem to be about us when I'm thinking I'm not doing enough well who's my focus on at that moment my focus is on me when my focus should be on them and so if if we're ever thinking I'm not doing enough it's like no just lay that down because listening is what they need And the relating part, people do this, and there is a way to do it right, but it's usually wrong. It's like, I know exactly how you feel because me, 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 my story. So because of me, I know about you. You just made it about yourself. Stop it. Yeah. And you're right. Like the hard intention in it is good but you're right there's a way to do it properly and i would almost say maybe just don't until you find that Um, or after someone has shared all that they could share like sometimes you you literally might sit in silence for a few moments for a while because some people takes a while to process i know my husband's one of those oh it used to drive me nuts when we first get married he would be going through something and he'd stare at the wall for like an hour. I'm like, this is so painful. <laughs> like say something. <laughs> Cause I'm a verbal processor and he's a thinker. And so like, we, we just have to be patient. How does that person need to be heard? How does that person process? How does that person need to be loved and held? It's probably not the same as me and that's Okay. What has uh, National Hope Talks done for you personally as the person that's uh, put it together, hearing all these stories that you hear? Can it do as much harm as it could sometimes listening to these stories? Or what's it, uh, how has it affected you by being the founder of this? Well, you know, if you're a control freak, I don't recommend this style of conference at all. <laughs> it very much becomes whatever. And, and even though I try to have um, facilitators at the table, you know, you're, you're putting humans together and humans are who causes trauma. It's not our coffee table. Um, humans causes pain. And so if somebody accidentally says something that's really insensitive or doesn't hold space the way that somebody in that group wanted, like that's out of, that's out of my control. And so it's been a surrender. That's, I would say is what this has felt like. 
It's also been beautiful, though, because um, watching people connect, hearing the stories, seeing people at least try, um, because we do lay out some parameters. This is what this, this circle looks like. And seeing people try sometimes, fail sometimes, not do it right, absolutely get it right, whatever right is. I think anyone who's willing to lean into that kind of bravery to connect, they have my they have my ultimate respect. And so it's been really beautiful. But yeah, it's definitely a surrender and a loosening of control. Here's a touchy one that I'm hesitating even to bring up. <laughs> but uh, I but I will. Is there a limit to how much and how often a person should hold space for someone? Is there a time where you're like, okay, we've this is the fiftieth time, uh, we we need to move forward? I'm glad you brought that one up. It's a tough one. It's hard, you know. Uh, honestly, like again, that whole peer support. Like, if somebody came to me fifty times, I think at that point, it's like if we're still circling around. <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly not going to dictate where they should or should not be in their mm-hmm. journey. But I'm clearly not the right answer because if this was working, if my listening was working, supporting was working, it would have worked probably like a while ago. <laughs> so this is where we need to refer. Uh, you know, I really think that you need to see someone who could actually help you. You might need to see a professional. And I do think that there are people out there like myself Um, who are empathetic and we take on people's emotions. We take them on. And if we ever feel that somebody else is sucking our energy out, we need to learn how to have boundaries. It is okay to say, you know what, Uh, right now I am not in the space to be able to listen. Um, I think that's fair. I think what happens that's not fair is when we uh, ghost people. All of a sudden, like we've blocked them, we've we've shut them out, and now they're left wondering, like, what just happened? And now they're in confusion, which doesn't help their state at all. I think there's nothing wrong with saying, look, in my personal capacity right now, I cannot be what you're needing. But I'm here to, If do you need me to refer you? Or I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to hold space for you in my heart. I think we need to learn how to have very frank but kind communication when that happens. It's such a balance to do the self-care. It's one of the reasons I don't host uh, in-person peer support um, anymore or rarely because it's just too much. But yeah. what I do, uh, Tango Romeo, that is what I can do. So I can do, so I do what I can do uh, looking after me and yet still providing some sort of value. Um mm-hmm. There's that balance between creating a codependent relationship <laughs> and being an empathetic space holder and looking after yourself. Um, and for those who are needing the support, if somebody says to you, I'm sorry, I just can't right now, it's not your fault. Yeah. Try not to take it personally. It's just them looking after them. And the best peer supporters, if with the proper training, are those that have been through it. And they're also the worst peer supporters because they have the least capacity. It's yeah. a it's a double edged sword. Yeah, it really is. You're, I couldn't agree with you more. But um, we, if you don't look after yourself, then you're no good as a peer supporter anyway. 
Because you're, yeah. you're going to be curled up into a ball for the next two weeks trying to recuperate from the conversation you just had. That doesn't help. It's not good. It's so true. Um, what is next for National Hope Talks? And do you have other projects that are going on right now? Yeah, so uh, National Hope Talks is is under an, an organization, a business that I work for. It's a nonprofit, but the business side is Wellness Innovate. And so what we do is we go in and we really help businesses create flourishing workplaces. Um, in my personal resilience work, um, which actually started with street gangs and drug dealers in East Vancouver, um, I've noticed throughout my 20 years that if we really want to impact mental health, where are people most of the time who aren't young people? Well, they're at work and that workplace, if it's damaging, if it's not helpful, like if it's not flourishing, then our homes aren't flourishing and our youth aren't flourishing. And if I can be really honest, my why, why I wake up every morning is because I think that the, the culture that we're creating as adults for our young people needs to be looked at. And, and so if we can do some damage for the good in the workplace, well, then our kids are going to be okay. And so that's kind of what is always ongoing. And then the nonprofit side, the National Hope Talks, you know, um, in May, it's, it's Mental Health Month. You know, we're going to host some workshops. And then again in October, um, we're actually going to host some incubators again, like those circles whether it's breakout rooms, whether it's in person, where people can feel free to share their stories. And so I love, I love the nonprofit, the National Hope Talks. I love what we do um, in business to make a difference because I really do believe when you change the workplace, you really do change culture. Absolutely. I'm going to absolutely be circling back. Um, my next book project uh, is going to be on peer support. So I, I found a book ab- uh, about peer support for first responders. Haven't read it yet. Looking forward to it though. Um, but it's how to be a good one-to-one peer supporter, what it is, the different types of peer support, but also how to be a group facilitator. And so a train the trainer sort of program uh, as well. And I'm going to be having people from people that have two PhDs to people like uh, you and I that are just in it up to our necks and um, pros and cons and stories and, and a formula for it, for, uh, for, for moving forward. Because peer support should be a stepping stone to professional help. And that's what, yeah. uh, that's one of the things that Tango Romeo is. And that's what peer support should be to have somebody stable enough and feel secure enough that it's time to reach out for professional help, whatever it is that that looks like for them. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Connie Jacob. Thank you so much. Uh, how can people find you and uh, national hope talks? Okay, so me personally, it's just Connie Jacob, J-A-K-A-B. It's a weird spelling. Um, Or um, National Hope Talks uh, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're we're both on all three. All right, well, I'll have those links in the show notes for the actual podcast, which is, again, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and so many others. Connie Jacob. Thank you for being on Operation Tango Romeo. Thanks so much.
Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. <laughs> 